0: All right, thank you, Daniel. Let's take our Bibles tonight, please. Turn to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. You glad you're safe tonight? Man, we're glad you're here. Romans chapter 13. Look at... Verse 11, we're going to look at the whole chapter. We're going to read verse 11 first and uh, work our way through the chapter. Romans chapter 13. If you don't like the preaching, you can pray for a gust of wind and it'll end quickly. Romans chapter 13, look at verse 11. Notice what it says with me tonight. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Let me read it again. That knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for the word of God. And we pray that you'd help us tonight, Lord, to focus. Lord, we already hear motorcycles and cars and all kinds of commotion going by. We know that our attention is easily drawn outside by every bird or gust of wind. We pray, Lord, that you just help us to give you the honor that you're due tonight. We focus upon the word of God for a few moments. Father, I pray that you'd help me, fill me with thy spirit, and may the spirit of God speak to each one of us. Lord, we surrender to you and ask that you do a work. Lord, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 11 says in that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. I've heard people say similar things and I've always thought it was kind of a silly thing to say. Uh, They say, well, we're closer now than ever before. Well, yeah, because you're closer than yesterday. That's just common sense. I mean, it doesn't, I am closer to my next birthday than I was yesterday, But when I read the Apostle Paul and I thought, well, if it's inspired by God to say something like that, I mean, it makes common sense that we are closer to the return of the Lord than we were the day before. I I think what he is trying to say or we can understand him to say is this, that it is not a sliding scale. In other words, there's not some time that keeps getting put off later and later because of the conditions of the world or because of the the will of man or because we can somehow pray it away and say, God, just wait a little bit longer, just tarry a little bit more until more people are saved or I can, I I, I don't know, maybe as a, a teenage girl, they say, wait till I get married. Wait till I have a family, Lord. I I want to experience some things in life. And uh, listen, it is not a sliding scale. Paul is saying it is a fixed time in the Father's mind. He knows the hour. And so we are drawing closer to it. It's not some far off thing like it says in 1 Peter where they scoffed and said, Where is the promise of His coming? Friends, it is coming. And we can count on it because it is fixed in the Father's mind. There is a time, there is an hour. Well, Romans 13, if you look at the context with me, we understand that this is written to the church at Rome. It's in the heart of the Roman Empire. It is the very seat of power of the Roman Empire. And there's a great revival taking place to think that in the very seat of power of the Roman Empire, there's even a church to write to. is an amazing thing. But the Apostle Paul is writing to the saints that are there in Rome, and he's preaching to them. Uh, But understand this, the Romans came from a very different background than a lot of other believers. They did a lot of the other believers and the other churches that were being started were all Jewish churches, Jewish converts had come to Christ. And so what I mean by that is that they had the Old Testament. And Paul could take the Old Testament, and he could reveal the mysteries of the old revealed in the new and he could show them the pictures of the Passover that Jesus is the lamb of God, that taketh away the sin of the world and they could see that. But for Rome they had nothing. They had paganism, idolatry, and false gods. And so thus we have the book of Romans, a book of doctrine that would teach the people of Rome and this church of Rome the basic doctrines that you and I hold dear. The Bible says for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5.8 says, But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And you can see the very basic doctrines of the faith about the blood of Jesus Christ being taught to these new believers. And now he comes to Romans chapter 13. And we find that Paul decides to venture into the arena of civil authority. Think about this. Rome was a very prideful thing, wasn't it? To be a Roman soldier was a, a, a matter of pride. To be a part of the Roman Empire, you were the greatest empire on earth in that day. You were the greatest country. Your Caesar, your king, was the king of the world, humanly speaking. And so Romans had a lot of pride. But all of a sudden, they're accepting Christ as Savior, and they're looking around and saying, wow, our government's really corrupt. They're hurting people. They're enslaving the Jews. Pardon the commercial break. Here we're back. All right. Okay. So they looked around and they saw that the Roman Empire was enslaving others, and all of a sudden their heart has changed. They said, How do we obey such a corrupt government? How do, how do we follow these leaders who are destroying our nation and killing people? And, what well, it kind of sounds like today, doesn't it? I'm not here to tear down any of our government leaders. By the way, you ought to pray for them. You know, the Bible says that the powers of be are ordained of God. You'll see that in Romans 13. And God is using them as ministers to good. You may not see it. You may not think so. But here's what I know from Romans 8, 28, that God is working all things together for good, and that includes our leaders. And so as a child of God, I have to believe that and hold on to that, that there are instruments. And, and listen, we may not see that, that we like their decisions. We don't like the direction they're taking with abortion and, and the homosexual agenda and all the rest that we see today. But listen to this, sometimes God uses these men as judgment against us. And we might be in a season of judgment, but the end result is a purer church, and a church that is on fire for God, if we sp- respond appropriately. So Paul says in Romans chapter 13, look back at verse 1, we see some things about civil authority that we see in the Word of God, and I think it's important that we uh, preach the whole counsel of God. So look there with me tonight, Romans chapter 13, I've, I've just kind of broken it up into four parts Uh, I'm trying not to use a lot of notes because they don't help me much up here. Notice, first of all, that Paul points out we're living in a rebellious age. A rebellious age. Look what it says in verse 1. Let every soul be subject unto the highest powers, for there's no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. "...for rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger, to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil." Now, verse 11, we read about the times. Paul said we're living in a certain time. You know, the Apostle Paul spoke often about the type of days that we would face. In 1 Timothy 3, he says we would live in perilous times. Men shall be lovers of themselves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemer, disobedient to parents, and on and on it goes. Those are the type of days that we would face. Peter said this. He described these last days as times of scoffers walking after their own lusts. The church of the Rome was facing that same thing. They woke up and they, now that they're saved and they're transformed by the power of God, they're looking around saying, we're living under a corrupt government. What do we do? And Paul says you have to obey. You have to pray for them. You have to honor them. Now let me, let me ask you this. When you were a child, did your parents ever say, behave yourself? Bob Simmons, did your mother ever say that? Does your wife still say that? I've heard it. Do you know why we have to say that? Because they're not behaving themselves. Is that right? There's no need to give warning unless there's rebellion going on. There's no need for threats. And the Bible says here that Paul is telling the church of Rome, listen, obey them because they have the power to bring wrath. It's a warning based on behavior. And he's saying, listen, you're, you're living in a rebellious age. And we have to understand that God has given us authorities. Listen, think about this. Even with wicked authorities in our lives that, that are not Bible believers and don't believe in God, understand this, they still make laws that govern our land. Listen, drunk driving is against the law. That's still a good thing. I don't care if an unsaved man thought it up. That saves lives. Having a speed limit on the highway here, I can't imagine what it would be like. It's hard enough turning left in here now. How many of you have trouble with that? You see those semi-trucks, they just hit 80 and they start bearing down on your tailgate. I'm glad it's not 120, 130, 140. So even if unsaved people make these laws, they're beneficial to us in the end. And so Paul says, but we're living in this rebellious age. We're living in a time where I have to tell everybody, be subject unto the higher powers. Obey them that have the rule over you. Why? Because the powers that be are ordained of God. You know, he was just saying to them, if you're going to have the right testimony, you now listen. He said, well, I, I, I don't like some of these laws, preacher. I don't like them either. I think they fly in the face of God a lot of times. We just heard about that bill a week ago, right? If, if, if now you can go and you can find out if you're having a baby boy or a girl, and if you decide I don't want a girl, you can abort that baby. That's wicked. Horrible. But let me tell you this. The word of God never ever, ever says that the child of God can rebel. It says we are to stand. Somebody say amen. There's a difference. It comes down to your attitude. You see, when we stand, we stand with the whole armor of God. We stand with our loins girt about with truth and with the blessed blessed plate of righteousness and the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation and our feet shod with the gospel, the preparation of peace. And we have our sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. In other words, when we stand for God, he does the fighting. And the Bible concludes in Ephesians chapter six, praying with all prayer and supplication. Listen, we can, we, we can rebel And we can look foolish or we can stand and look godly and see God move the hand of a nation. But we must move forward on our knees. I think sometimes it just comes down to our attitude. Listen, there's all kinds of different churches that take different stances during this lockdown or whatever you want to call it. Some have looked foolish. Some have looked foolish. Others have done their best to do whatever we can to get the gospel out. Just keep being innovative. Think outside the box. Let's do something. And I believe God blesses it. We're not to rebel. We are to stand. The Bible says rebellion is the sin of witchcraft. But we are to stand, therefore, in the power of God. There's a difference. and So we see that we are living in a rebellious age, he says. But look at the next few verses. The next few verses say this. By, by the way, you're to earnestly contend for the faith, for the faith. Sometimes I think we're earnestly contending for everything but the faith. Imagine this, what if we were as fervent about giving out gospel tracts as we are campaigning for the next politician? What if we were as excited about telling somebody about Jesus as we were giving our opinion on, I better not go there? Because we all have a lot of opinions right now. Why don't we share Jesus? Because I don't know if you like a a needle or not. I I don't care. But a needle's not gonna change somebody's life. Jesus will. Jesus will. I'm just saying, wherever you fall, you're allowed to have an opinion and we're allowed to to, to say, "I, I wanna take a stand for God. But where are you with Jesus? Listen, Paul minimized this authority thing. He said, listen, just obey them. But make sure you're doing your best for God. So we see that we live in a rebellious age. And here's what he says in verse 5. We're to respect authority. Respect authority. Wherefore, you must needs be subject, not only for wrath, not just because they can discipline you, but also for conscience sake. For this cause pay ye tribute also. For they are God's ministers attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. I've heard so many people take that verse out of context. They want to honor somebody. No, this is about obedience to our civil masters. He says, honor them, pay tribute. Listen, I I said this to my wife. You may not agree with me and that's fine. I said to my wife, I think when this whole pandemic thing is over, every politician should be given two years so we can see what they can do because we have no clue what they can do right now. It's been so hard for them. And, and, and I, even the ones I don't like, I, 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 I'm not for some of them, i to be honest with you. But what they've had to face and what they've had to go through, listen, we need to be praying for them The people of God need to be praying for them, upholding them, encouraging them, helping them, honoring them, as the Bible says, giving tribute unto tribute, custom unto custom, honor unto honor, because they need it. Listen, how many of you need encouragement from time to time? How would you like to be running the province right now? (laughs) These folks need encouragement. And they need our prayers and they need our help. And so we need to respect that authority. You say, Well, I don't agree with it. I didn't ask you to agree. I'm not saying that we have to uh, swallow everything that they say, but I'm saying we need to pray for our leaders and hold them up before God. I can see I've lost some of you already. That's okay. Listen to this. Here's the third thing we see in verse 8: it comes down to having the right attitude. The right attitude. Look what he says in verse 8. It almost seems like he's changing gears, but he's not. Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet, and if there be any other commandment. It is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Paul is basically saying to them, you don't need to worry about all those laws because if you love one another, you'll treat each other right anyway. You know, we, we find it so hard sometimes and Paul says, look at, look at these things. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear falsehood, thou shalt not covenant. Oh, and if there be anything else, It's it's all it's all wrapped up and understood in this one thing: just love one another, love one another. You know, can you imagine how different our world would be if people just treated each other with respect and love and encouraged one another? Who's he writing to? He's writing to the church. Save people. That's how we are to behave. We are to respect authority. We are to have the right attitude. Verse eleven. We are to respond appropriately. Notice what he says, and that knowing the time, knowing the time. Listen, as believers, we ought to be able to discern some things. We ought to be able to look and you watch the news and say, oh boy, redemption draweth nigh. We look at what's going on in our society and say, even so come Lord Jesus. It seems like the day is fast approaching, that we are closely, are getting very close to midnight, and we, we think that the trumpet could sound at any moment, and the Lord could return. And We ought to be able to discern that a little bit. No man knoweth the hour, but we do know the times and the seasons, it says in First Thessalonians 5. And it just seems like we're in that season as we look at the fulfillment of Bible prophecy, and we understand, and he says this, make sure you're responding appropriately, uh, and know that, uh, knowing the time, it is high time to awake out of sleep. You know, the problem, honestly, folks, listen, what is is Paul saying as we look at this whole context here? He's saying, the problem's not the government. The problem is sleeping Christians. People that are dozing off. People that don't care about their neighbor. People that are not loving. Aren't telling people about Jesus. Aren't sharing the gospel. He says, if you really knew what time it was, you'd wake up. You know, we're, we're so consumed. And I, I, I get caught up in it too. We want to talk of politics. We want to talk about our leaders. Our focus is wrong. Hey, sing, sing this with me, will you? This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Is that true? I, I mean, I don't have a, that's not a scripture verse. But we are citizens of another country. And I understand we have to live here. As long as I, listen, I'm glad I live in the greatest country in the world. I believe that about Canada. I appreciate the freedoms that we have, but you know that that is an anomaly in the history of the world to have this kind of freedom? To be able to preach the gospel freely without persecution? That's a wonderful thing. We ought to focus on that instead of worrying about what everybody else is doing. Notice what he says as we think about having the right response and responding appropriately. Verse 11, Wake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. He's saying, get rid of sin and start walking with the armor of God. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill The lust thereof. Let me say this. The Bible is always more concerned with the believer's walk than his rights. Boy, I got quiet. Listen, I appreciate we have rights. I get that. We have a charter of rights. I get that. God is more concerned about your behavior and your walk before him than he is about your rights. Because if all your rights are taken away, you're still expected to walk godly in Christ Jesus. Persecution may come. God still wants us to walk godly in Christ Jesus. He still expects a certain behavior from us. So he says, wake up. Wake up. Listen, what is it you focus on all week? Listen, this world is not my home. Heaven is my home. As long as I'm in this flesh, I will likely live the rest of my days in this place called Canada, Ontario. Love it here. And, and this is my home. I will vote in the next election. That's my civic duty. I believe that. I got, I got a thing in the mail several years ago that said I had jury duty. Now, they ended up canceling it before I got there, but I thought, okay, if I have to go to, I'll do my civic duty. That's, that's part of my responsibility as a citizen here on earth. I pray it never happens, but if we are drafted to go to war, I'll go to war. I think I'm probably beyond the draft age, and that's good. Amen. But I would fight for my country if I had to. That's that's our civic duty. I get that. But where is our focus? The Bible never says, take up the Canadian flag and follow me. It says, take up the cross. Take up the cross. Pray for them. I don't like them. Then pray for them that despitefully use you. That's Bible too. Pray for your enemies. You can't get away from this thing. Everybody in the Bible, whether you like them or not, you gotta pray for them. The Bible says so. Despitefully use you. Pray for your enemies. Pray for those you love. Pray for one another. That's our responsibility. I'm, listen, I'm not against being patriotic, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not at all. I love Canada Day. I love having a flag out the front of our property. I love Canada. But I want my party to be that I love Jesus more. And I'm more concerned about how I represent Jesus Christ than I do my country. Where's our focus? Paul says all that stuff has a place. Obey the authority, obey them. Honor them. It has a place, respect it. But he says, the time has come where we need to wake up. We need to walk like Jesus Christ wants us to walk. Let's bow our heads tonight for a moment and Brother Daniel's gonna play and I'm just gonna ask you to respond right where you are. Just spend some time and pray. Pray for our country, we need it. Pray for our leaders. Let's examine our heart and our walk before God. Make sure our focus is right.